Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Never seen the sky so blue. The birds are singing, I got nothing to do. Hey, 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 hey. It's a sunny day. Sunny day now. My pocket's empty, my cupboard's bare. But call me illogical, I just don't care. Hey, hey, hey. It's just a sunny day. KSL Greenhouse. Information and great talk about your home, garden, and your lawn. If you love perennials, can't get enough help on landscape design, or just want to keep your lawn and vegetable garden pest-free, grab a pen. It's the KSL Greenhouse on KSL News Radio. Good morning, and thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. We'll be taking your calls in just a minute. You can call us at 801-575-8255, and the phone lines are open. Or you can text us your questions this morning at 57500. Looks like we're going to see a little bit of rain this morning, Tom. That's okay. It's We need it. <laughs> That's okay because you're ex- exhausted, don't want to be out in the yard today, <laughs> or what is that? Oh, man. I... I've been in Iowa all week and just got back yesterday and, you know, I worry about a lot of stuff. And uh, my wife said that we had some rain a few days Mm -hmm. ago on the south end of Utah County. And I pulled in, lawn still green, the garden still alive. See, nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about. Yeah, it actually helps a lot when when you're gone somewhere, it actually rains a couple of the days. Yeah. (laughs) Especially in the middle of the heat. Yeah, it's, I understand Iowa had beautiful weather. We were in the low 80s, mid-70s every day I was there due to some storms and things, but I, I hear it was hot Oh, over the last week. Mm-hmm. It's been very hot. Of course, when you stay inside all day long and just look out the window, it's not bad at all. No, the air conditioner <sighs> is the great equalizer. Right. We did miss you yesterday, though. Uh, Michelle and I, the producer of the show, went up to the USU Botanical Center, the demonstration gardens. Sheridan Hansen uh, was with us, and I want our I want our listeners to know this because we are going to be sharing a couple of videos that we took up there. Because in the demonstration garden, it is so fun. If you've never been up and seen what's in the garden, you need to check it out. Sheridan always picks very unusual things to plant. This year, she's done medicinal herbs, so we walked through the medicinal herbs. She's done some really wonderful vine gardening where she has zucchini and cucumbers growing on vines kind of she shows how to you know really do that and then some of the most unusual okay i've seen a lot of tomatoes right i'm a tomato person i love to check out new tomatoes every year but she had some of the most unusual tomatoes i've seen including one that looks like the shape of the heart of a heart 
And it was so fun to be with her. So I want our listeners to look forward to those videos. We'll be posting those in the coming weeks. Yeah, it's always a fun time to go up there. And unfortunately, due to some flight delays, I missed it. But I look forward to those videos because she does. It's almost we both enjoy gardening and she enjoys the rare and unique. And the historical aspects. Yes, the historical aspects. Vegetable. I'll do more. What's practical? What's going to give me the best yield for the inputs? And so we're on opposite ends of the spectrum (laughs) on what we do. But she's a fabulous horticulturist. Right. This morning we want to talk about the black-eyed Susan, the black-eyed Susan, the plant of the week. And that's because they're just out in full bloom and they are just beautiful And for those people who don't know exactly what we're talking about, the black-eyed Susan, it looks a lot like a daisy, but has a black center and kind of yellowy-orange petals. Yes. Sometimes they're called rutabecchia. Uh, There's a few different terms for them. Sometimes people will call them brown-eyed Susans. But when I was in Iowa this last week, I had a few minutes in the evening to go to the Riverwalk. And along the Des Moines River... There was probably a quarter of a mile stretch that there were wild uh, black-eyed Susans just growing all along the side of the river They're on the bank. So beautiful. They are gorgeous. And then the Iowa Botanical Garden had, because they're a native, had specialized in several varieties, and so they are very pretty. And they do very well. They, they are do. a hardy plant. They require very little maintenance. Now, if you read the fact sheets, they'll say, oh, watch out for three or four different fungal diseases. But because we are so dry here, we don't have to worry about them. It's very rare that you see any fungal diseases on black-eyed Susans in Utah. So the black-eyed Susans are divided into two groups. One that we consider biannual, but we really grow them as annuals. Mm -hmm. And then the other perennial. And both of them have their place in the landscape to where the annuals will bloom a lot of the summer and they get the great big three to four inch wide black eyed Susan flowers on them. And those are generally going to be from a species called Rutabecchia herta, it's H-I-R-T-A. And those are native to the Midwest and Great Plains, Upper South. And those are where our annual varieties and cultivars come from. But then you've got the perennial group and the Goldstrom, which we grow very commonly here. Probably 80% of the black-eyed Susans in our gardens are called Goldstrom, which means gold storm in Dutch. And that's the one that blooms July through September that we have in our yards. I didn't even realize that there were annual black-eyed There are. Seasons. You can pick them up. They're kind of sometimes prim, premium print annuals where you'd pick them up in a six-inch pot or a number one nursery pot. Right, but those but are annuals. They're annuals, and there's several varieties of them. And if they do keep coming back, it's generally from seed, and we don't realize it. Okay, I was going to say, but you have to be aware of which one you're buying, especially if you think it's going to stick around for a while. I know the ones in my yard I've had for a couple decades at least. Yes. And they can move around a little bit, but not as much as other things. No. And they, the perennial versions of them, like the Gold Storm, will be uh, five to 10 years at least in the landscape and they can recede. There is a new, and it's brand new, 
cultivar that's becoming much more available that is it, it isn't a replacement for Gold Storm, but it's one that's a little more compact oh. and it's supposed to be a little more disease resistant called American Gold Rush. And so it's going to be a little bit smaller, but have the same size flowers. And so if you're looking for something a little bit more compact, this American Gold Rush might be one to take into consideration. Okay. Now, all of mine are in full sun. What do they require? Full sun. At least six hours of sunlight a day, so maybe a southeast exposure. But the more sun, the better. And in the Midwest, they're quite drought hardy, but they're also getting 30 to 40 inches of rain a year in a lot of those areas. And so here, they're going to need to be deeply watered once they're established up at least once a week to a depth of 6 to 12 inches. All right. Soil conditions? Uh, average soil. They'll grow yeah, they're not very clay picky, they? to sandy. If it's clay soil, mound them up a little bit so that they're not sitting in standing water during the winter. Okay, anything else about the black-eyed Susans? I would plant more of them. It's not the only thing I'd plant in my yard, but if you're just getting started, they're one to consider because they're so easy to take care of. Yeah, and they bloom. Their bloom time is is a nice length. It is. All right. And again, the plant of the week, the black-eyed Susan. You can find an article on the KSL Greenhouse Facebook page. Coming back with your calls and questions, Mary Ann's already on the line. We'll take her up next. Number to call, 801-575-8255. Text us, 57500. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Good morning. Thanks for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria and Ton with you this morning. Taking your calls, 801-575-8255, or you can text us at 57500. Marianne is on the line from Provo, and good morning, Marianne. What was your question this morning? Good morning. Well, first of all, I want to say I have had a bumper crop of tomatoes. They're big, beautiful, and plentiful. You can't imagine how happy that's made me, but my problem is with my lawn. In the past, I've had a billbug problem, but this year I was really good. I got out. I treated it early. I haven't had that. But all of a sudden now, I'm having big areas where where the lawn is dying. And I know that the, the preventative is kind of expensive, but do I have to treat my whole lawn in every so to prevent that? And is it too late to treat these areas now? Have you been pulling up on the grass to make sure that it's not rooted yes. in the dead areas? Okay. And yeah. when you walk around, are you seeing any moths fly up? No. Okay. That would point to billbug or white grub, and it is a little late to treat. And you do need to prevent the whole lawn with a preventative and maybe even redo it in July. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did in the areas that I've had in the past. I did that, but some areas I didn't treat because we have kind of a big lawn so I didn't treat everything, but it looks like that's what I'm going to have to do. Unfortunately, I think so. It sounds like those bill bugs are just avoiding the areas you treated and popping up in new areas. <laughs> and they're mobile, yeah. too. They can come in from the neighbor's yard, but I would treat the entire lawn. 
Okay. Well, I appreciate that. It's not not happy news, but I'll do what I need to. So thank you so very much, and I really have enjoyed your show over the years. Thanks, Marianne, for your call this morning. I'm sorry about the bill bugs, though. Uh, Carl is wondering. He lives in East Clinton, Ton. He says he's had to reseed his backyard. He started in March, did half of the yard. Now he's going to do the rest. And he wants to know if there's a fertilizer that he can put down on the grass that he already planted. And is there a way to make the grass seed germinate faster than 30 to 40 days? What grass seed is he using? I don't know what he's using, but I do because it usually germinates pretty quickly. Is Kentucky bluegrass, especially with warmer weather, should germinate within 14 to 21 days. I'm wondering if it was slower in March because of all yeah, the cool weather. I'm thinking it could be. that's it was very what cold. he saw in March. And so he would see a lot of um a lot faster germination now. Fescues around 10 days. Ryegrass is around five to seven. So I think he'll see a lot faster germination. And as far as a fertilizer, most garden centers will carry a new lawn fertilizer or they could just, you know, you don't, these lawn programs you buy in the spring, it, you can just buy one now and just cycle through to next year. You know, it's because it is cyclical. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of options he could do on the lawn. If just a standard lawn fertilizer would be fine. But if he wants to do something for newly germinating grass, he can do that too. Okay. But yeah, that seed should come up a lot faster than it did in March. Uh, Next listener asks, is it too soon to prune roses? It is too Too soon. Is is it too late or is it too soon? If you're just cutting (laughs) off flowers, that's a little different. But here we only prune, and I would even be a little careful with the flowers. You can still cut them back to the first set of five leaflets. But over the next couple of weeks, I would give up on that even so that the roses can go dormant. And that every time you clip, you delay dormancy in that area. And traditionally, all we do here in the fall is prune back the extra tall branches so that they don't split out in the spring. We like to leave a lot of foliage, not a foliage, but branches or canes in case we get a really hard winter like last year because you have a lot better chance of that rose recovering with all the extra branches. If you are in a warmer situation, say down in St. George or Las Vegas or California, you would just cut them in the fall and let them regrow where they don't go completely dormant. But here we wait for mid-March. Okay, minimal pruning till mid-March. Okay, next person says every August their cherry tree leaves start turning yellow and falling off. Why would that be? We live in Utah. (laughs) and we have low humidity and hot summers even oftentimes with sufficient irrigation to where that water is penetrating into the soil 18 inches deep the tree will still do that just because it can't draw enough water out of the soil to reach the top of the tree fast enough to make up for lost water and so a defense against that is to drop especially inner canopy leaves that are not providing as much energy the other things to look at though especially if the trees getting older they are susceptible to a number of what are called vascular wilt diseases that get in and clog the conductive tissue there could be a little of that going on also 
All right. Sean is on the line in Salt Lake City. Good morning, Sean. What was your question? Good morning, guys. How are you? Great. Thank you. Yeah, I've got kind of a strange question. I built a pond several years ago at my cabin, and the dam that I built just erodes away. So I'm thinking of planting. I built I built a new dam this year, and I want to plant some erosion control on the side of the dam to keep it from washing away. And I just wasn't sure at 8,000 feet high what would grow. Well, um, I, depending on what you are, you wanting more of a ground cover, perennials, bushes. I think a ground cover. That's what I was looking okay. at. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm about a 45-degree slope. That's what makes it different. Okay. I mean, plants will fill in on their own over time. But as far as a ground cover goes at 8,000 feet, that's riparian, you know, your options are very, very limited on this. Because I, on one hand, I want to avoid something that isn't native in case it becomes invasive and escapes. But then on the other hand, you know, even with some snow cover, you're a lot colder than the valley floor. And so we we had seven feet probably on top of that dam last year. And the other problem you may run into are deer. And so something like um, Lysimachia, what's the common name of it? Creeping Jenny would be one that you could try because it's more of a riparian plant. There are some, if you wanted to mix it up a little bit, there's some smaller dogwoods like um, Kelsey dogwoods that might hold things a little bit for you. And then you might be able to find some sedges that are zone four that would spread out a bit that you could plant on there also. Would would an erosion blanket across that be the way to start that? Um, well, I mean, are you talking something that's like the straw mats or... Right, yep. Yeah, that's what I, I was looking at. It could at. help protect it until you can get some things started, but I don't know of any that have the riparian species that you're looking for in them. And so it would oh, be... Do they tem- make blankets with stuff already in the blanket? I believe you can get blankets, especially when you see them on the sides of the freeway or roads that have recently been cut and then they lay them on the mountainside, oftentimes they will have some seed in them. Okay. Yeah, I built it several years ago and it just slowly eroded as I rebuilt it in the last few days. Okay. So I don't have a long time this year to to get anything started. What about something like a sedum? Sedum may work except for their drought plants and it may be too wet. On the upper portion, it would hold where there was only natural precipitation, but the lower you got, it would peter out, Hmm. would be the problem. And so it may be worth looking at some erosion control blankets and then even wildflowers. If you were to put one down with just straw mat and put some wildflower seed in it, and you might have to reseed it, but if you just found a good mix, and it doesn't need to be the drought hardy, I'd focus on things like the black-eyed Susans and um, just more native flowers, and you could try that, too. I appreciate it. If I don't put anything on it, it it gets um, singing that'll basically grow around the whole pond. Yeah, the other thing you could do, and it wouldn't be as pretty, is you could just find a cabin mix, and that would grow almost to the water's edge. 
and just do a cabin mix that you could uh, weed whack once a month or so just to keep it under control. So what is a cabin? Where do you find that? Uh, Any garden center, Great Basin Turf, um, Granite Seed. But if you walk in and just say, I need a cabin mix, and it's just grass um, that grows just a little taller, but that could be something you could look for. All right, Sean. So do you think the blankets would help it? For this year, yes, if I they would. don't have time to get anything they would to help grow, hold it until spring. Until spring. Okay, I appreciate your guys' help. Great. Thanks for your call this morning. Thank we, you. We need to take a break for the bottom of the hour news. Number to call 801 575 8255. Phone lines are open or text us 57500. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.